Well, hey, this morning is week two in a brand new series. So grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Started the series last week. If you missed it, you've got to go back and hear the intro so you know where we're going with this whole thing. But Hebrews, chapter 11, is a survey, basically, of Old Testament saints. Um, and I mean the heroes of the faith. Call them the giants. The whole point of this series is God wants us to learn from their example so that we can run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Well, let me begin by um, drawing your attention back to a famous ad campaign put out by Gatorade back in the late 90s. Do you remember the ad campaign where Gatorade would show these commercials with athletes that were out there competing, and then as they were competing, this, this colorful stuff would start to come out from within them? And Gatorade then at the end would say one question, is it in you? You remember that? Go ahead and throw the pictures up there. Gatorade's campaign was, is it in you? And you would see famous athletes like Michael Jordan on the next slide, and they they would have this stuff literally coming out from their pores. Why? Because the point was, that they were trying to convince you, that if you had this in you, you were going to become Michael Jordan, right? You were going to be able to dunk that ball, pass that guy, and in the end zone, and uh, all if you had this stuff in you. Well, do you know the story of Gatorade? Gatorade actually came about back in 1965 uh, when the assistant football coach at the University of Florida had a lot of players who were getting sick in the heat. So he asked a kidney disease specialist, Robert Cade, to research player safety, especially during times of extreme heat. It may surprise you to know that back then, athletes were discouraged from even drinking water because they were told it would cause cramping or nausea. So while they were in the heat of the game, they wouldn't even drink water. Well, Cade's research revealed, no surprise, that athletes experienced many detrimental effects uh, of exertion if they didn't have water or anything else. Low blood sugar, their electrolytes were out of balance, their total blood volume count was low. Basically, the chemistry of the body was in total upheaval. And so in 1966, a year later, things got even worse. Seven Florida football players were taken to the hospital for heat illnesses in one day. Seventeen were brought to the hospital the next day. So the coach finally said, bring this new stuff that you developed out every practice and every game and let's see if it helps. Well, over the next five years, only one player from the Florida Gators had to be hospitalized for heat-related illnesses, and they found out that he wasn't drinking his Gatorade. So something was clearly missing. And when they found this product that replenished what you, know, you lost in exertion, lo and behold, it, uh, it gave them a competitive edge and kept them healthy. Gatorade's become the number one sports drink in the nation. Its estimated global sales last year were $7 billion. Did you hear that? 7 billion dollars for a beverage. Why? Because if it's in you, you got a better chance of winning. Well, ask yourself this now. What was it that made the Old Testament giants capable of doing what they did? I mean, what was it about them that, that led them to do such impossible and miraculous and unbelievable things? What was in them that was special. It's one simple word, and the word is faith. The word that the Bible wants us to understand today like we've never understood it before is faith. And though it's familiar, 
God wants us to see that it has power that we cannot possibly understand. You see, it was faith that enabled the Old Testament heroes to conquer kingdoms, to stop the mouths of lions, to slay giants, to put entire armies to flight. And so so the question for you is, they were full of faith. It was in them. Is it in you? Let's pray and then we'll talk about faith together. Lord, as we open your book and this new series unfolds, help us to understand one word so familiar in a new way today. Remind us of just how powerful faith really is. My prayer is that your word would unfold here as it's preached and that it would give light and hope to your people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Are you there? And there's two questions. The sermon really only has two questions today. Uh, But listen, fair warning, the first one, we're going to spend a whole lot more time on the first one than we are on the second one, okay? So I don't want you, like, you know, to be like, oh, brother, he's taking so long on the first one, we're going to be here forever. Now, remember I said, the first one's going to take a lot longer than than the second one. People care about that stuff, okay? Come on now, they got places to be. Well, don't you worry. The first question is this. When it comes to, is faith in you, how do I know? How can I know? First question, jot this down. Do you believe God is telling the truth? Do you believe God is telling the truth? Looking in chapter 11, verse 1, it defines faith. Flat out, blatantly, it says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then we're going to include verse 6 in this sermon too. And without faith it is, what's that word there? Say it nice and loud. Possible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith will be seen in two lights this morning. The first question reveals the first light. Do you believe God is telling the truth? Three sub-points here. The first one is this, about the future. Let's start with the future. Hey, do you believe God is telling you the truth about the future? It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's pointing our eyes in the direction of the future, asking us if we truly have faith in what God has said will happen. The word faith is very basic, and there's no need to make it more complicated. Faith means this, belief or trust. It's that simple. Belief or trust. The word assurance is a little bit harder to pin down. Um, It means a firm, solid confidence. So faith is the assurance. Faith is the firm, solid confidence in what? Well, in the things that we hope for. The NIV translates assurance, being sure. But I'm not sure that quite captures the meaning of the the word in the Greek. Being sure almost sounds like, oh, I'm sure of it. Oh, I'm positive. I'm so sure of it. But really, we're we're not being asked to be like so sure of it here. We're asked to be firm and solid in our confidence. And it's really not because we've you know, jacked ourselves up. I'm, I'm sure of it. It's because God has assured us that He's trustworthy. You see, I'm not trying to all bring that all to this, you know, to some strength that God is assuring me 
that the future He has planned and declared, He will bring to pass. I like the thought that it's God's influence on us. It's our response to His powerful Word that makes us assured. It's not that you've eliminated all doubt. It's not that you've eliminated all uncertainty. It's that you take God at His Word in spite of your doubt and uncertainty and depart with confidence. Faith is the assurance. You've got your mind made up. You're convinced. You've placed your trust in what God has revealed and there is no turning back. There is no turning back. Faith is the assurance of what? It says of things hoped for. Now, hope doesn't mean, you know, like, like I, I cross my fingers and hope Jesus comes back one day. Like, I, I flicked a little coin into a wishing well and asked that it would happen. Like, so I hope that it maybe is one day kind of possibly going to happen. That's not what the word hope means. It's not like, like you hope the Cubs win the World Series. Nothing like that. All right, everybody say that that's not a rational hope. Say that now. <laughs> I'm going to get people shouting from different sides of the room. Hope, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It doesn't mean I hope. You know, like my kids, oh, I want a pony for Christmas. I hope I get it. Hope is a much more confident word. Hope is the promised future God has revealed and we are eagerly anticipating. It's called glorification. It's the future tense of our faith. And hope means we are looking forward to it expectantly. Many people try and figure out the future. How cool would it be if you could know? What would you want to know? Huh? Would you want, who am I going to marry one day? How many kids am I going to have? Where am I going to live? What's going to happen with my job? Would you love to know the future? You know, how many years am I going to get? How cool would that be? Many different ways people try and find out the future. You've got tarot card readers. You've got horoscopes. You've got crystal ball. You've got fortune cookies. Huh? We all eat them. We all eat. One guy found a fortune cookie. He was a little disappointed. Here's what it said. Fortune cookies. This is the best, though. So, this is a real story. Somebody told me that they went to a party, and at the party, they had a coffee psychic. You pour your coffee and mix your cream in and the coffee psychic looks at it and based on the coffee and the cream and tells you your future. How sweet is that? I mean, some of you this morning, or maybe this week, as you mix up your coffee, you're going to be like, what's my husband's name? What is, tell me. There's the magic eight ball. Hey, listen, people will do ridiculous things to try and figure out their, their future. Um, but in God's Word, He has revealed to us quite a bit about what is coming, right? And so let me ask you this. Do you believe it? Do you believe that one day the loudest trumpet that's ever sounded is going to rip through the sky and Jesus Christ is going to return in triumph? Do you believe that? No, do you believe that one day we're going to be caught up in the air together with Him and we'll be with Him forever? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that there's a moment in the twinkling of an eye when your body, if you have gone on before the return of Christ, will come out of its grave at the sound of the voice of the Son of God? And you will have a body that never gets old, that never gets sick, that never dies, that never has pain? Do you really believe that? Because there is nothing to give you proof that that is going to happen. I mean, other than the fact that the Son of God already came back from the dead and He lives to this day. 
Hey, listen, this is our future. This is our hope and faith. Faith says, I believe that what God is telling me is the truth about the future. And this is a time for you to tighten your grip on these realities before they become sight. And they will become sight. Amen? Oh, our faith will become sight. But not yet. Hey, do you believe God is telling the truth about the future? Do you believe He's telling the truth about unseen realities? Jot that down. That's the second point. Do you believe He's telling the truth about unseen realities? This is more of a present tense. More of a present tense. It says, first, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Then it says, the conviction of things not seen. Not seen. So, realities that you can't see that are present right now. These are things that we believe even though they're invisible to us. It could include anything from angels and demons for the very existence of God, the fact that our loved ones have gone on and and they are now with Christ in paradise. Uh, These are all unseen realities. Do you believe? Do you have faith about unseen realities? The greatest unseen reality we have to put our faith in is, remember what Jesus said? He said, you believe because you've seen that I came back from the dead, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Do you know the ultimate faith expression that God demands of every human on the planet is the faith and the resurrection and glorification of Jesus Christ? Do you know that right now the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth and that He alone holds the free gift of eternal life to give to anyone who would call upon Him by faith? This is a present tense crisis of faith. Oh, Yeah, there are things in the past you have to believe that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again, but you have to believe right now, right here, he alone holds out your eternity in the palm of his hand. If you believe by faith in that present reality, you're saved. If you don't, you're not. The word conviction, conviction of things not seen, the NIV says being certain, but I feel like that's misleading. It's not that you have all the answers. It's not that you've eliminated all uncertainty. It's that your relationship with the truth changed. You see, there was a point when you heard it and you weren't sure what to think of it. And then there was a point where you embraced it. Your relationship to that truth changed and you are now convinced. You weren't convinced. You had to be convinced. But now you're convinced and you hold the present tense truth of the Lord Jesus Christ risen and reigning as a conviction. All right, you are now married to this truth. You went public in your committal at your baptism to this truth. Everyone in your life knows that you have rested your eternity on this truth that you believe. Oh, you may doubt from time to time. You may wonder how it could happen, how it did happen. It doesn't matter. You're convinced. This is what we would call saving faith. And there's a distinction this morning between saving faith and another expression of faith. You can jot this down. Saving faith means I must place my faith in Christ to be saved. I must place my faith in Christ to be saved. This is a yes or no, a black and white, either it is or it isn't question for you. Is there a moment in your past when based on what you heard from God's word, The truth about Jesus Christ who came into the earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day and ascended on high to heaven in front of witnesses. Have you embraced that truth as your own? 
Have you, as Jesus said, repented and believed the good news? Mark 1.15. That's what Christ demands of you. Have you truly put your faith in Christ at a moment and experienced what the Bible refers to as conversion? Oh, it happens in an instant. Maybe you don't remember the exact time, but God could tell you. The angels saw it and they rejoiced in heaven. doesn't matter whether you, it happened as a child or you were 8 or 88 or 108. There's a moment in your life when it has to happen. When you, confronted with the truth about Jesus Christ found in Scripture, have to put your faith in what you heard about Him. You're born again at that moment. You're saved by God, called unto salvation. It's called faith. It's important to understand that while there is plenty that only God can do in salvation and while God is totally responsible for saving you, faith is not a choice God makes for you. Faith is a choice God demands of you. Faith is not something God does for you. It's not something God does to you. Faith is your response to God's revealed word and his call unto salvation. Faith is ultimately a call for you to make a choice. And I know many of you are thinking, well, there's a whole lot more to it than that. There's the whole divine side of the thing. True. And we believe in all those precious doctrines of election and predestination and what God does to call us unto salvation. But however you define those doctrines, you have to realize that when it comes to faith, it's a choice humans make. And at some point in your life, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. Have you done it? It's called saving faith. Do you believe God's telling the truth about the future? Do you believe He's telling the truth about unseen realities? And then, do you believe God's telling the truth about the past? Go ahead and jot that down. About the past. It says in verse 3, we're going to come back to verse 2 in a second. It says in verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. All right, so the, the Bible is talking about creation. And would we all agree that that is a pretty hot topic in our world today, right? Don't you, would you agree with me that that, not everybody agrees with us when it comes to creation. Take, for example, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Have you heard about what's going on with Bill Nye the Science Guy? We've got a picture of him there, Bill. He's rocking the bow tie. Maybe you should try it. Who knows? Maybe I should try it. Bill, the bow tie Nye, uh, the science guy, is a famed TV scientist, and uh, he's slamming creationism in a new online video titled, here's the, here's the title of the video, Creationism is not appropriate for children. For children. Even though 46% of Americans believe in creationism, according to a poll, Gallup poll, CNN reports, 32% believe in evolution guided by God, just 15% believe in atheistic evolution. 47% of Americans surveyed saying they believe that God created humans in their present form at one point within the past 10,000 years. But Bill Nye says this, I say to the grown-ups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your own world, that's completely inconsistent with the world we observe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it. Don't make your kids do it. He concludes by saying this, in another couple centuries, I'm sure that the worldview of creationism won't even exist. There's no evidence for it. Bill Nye, the science guy, he would, um, he would not agree with what I'm teaching right now. He would not agree with what God says 
about the past. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created, how? By the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Many different questions kind of revolve around this idea of creation. We're not going to talk about all of them this morning. We could cover when did God create the universe. We could cover why did God create the universe. Those really aren't the biggies for today. Biggies for today are how did God create the universe and did God create the universe? Those are the ones that are in focus. To that, the scripture says, yes, God did create it and he did it supernaturally by the word of God using things that are not visible. He did it supernaturally, not naturally. It's important to understand. You read the first six days of creation, it was not what we would call natural. He didn't do it according to the observable laws of, of nature. Why? Well, because he was writing them. And is there really a reason after a millisecond into God exploding the universe into existence that we have to handcuff him to these laws that we today observe? He didn't even make them yet. He was forming them all and he was doing it supernaturally. If he wants to throw the stars in the sky as a passing thought, he's free to do so. But we would say that we believe the nature of creation was outside of all we call natural, beyond all that we can even conceive. Do you know if you trace the science back to the original point of origin, they believe that all time and space breaks down, that the observable laws of nature don't even function? You know what that's called? Can you even imagine a moment where there's not even any space? No. That's called eternity. That's called eternity. And we believe that what is visible sprang forth from the eternal, which is unfathomable. But not everybody agrees with us. We would believe the universe didn't begin scientifically. It began supernaturally. And therefore, we believe by faith that a creator caused it. The scientist, by the way, is still on the hook to come up with an explanation because tracing the science all the way back to the beginning brings you to a point where everything scientific no longer exists. So then what kind of cause started what we would refer to as natural? If what's natural didn't cause the beginning, what other word would we use for it than supernatural. Scientists who are not God-fearers don't like that question. They would just say it was an accident, just happened, biggest bang, and somehow, and, and yet they have to account for all the order and the complexity that existed right after the Big Bang. Hey, would you believe me if I told you that an explosion at the printing press created the first dictionary? Would you believe that? Roy, if I came to you and I'm like, you will never believe it? The whole thing went up. Boom! And look what came out. You wouldn't even believe one little book came from an explosion like that. Why? Order, sequence, intelligence, binding, glue. I mean, something else than this explosion had to kind of form, right? How can a universe bring itself into existence and begin immediately forming and, all, and arranging itself? It, it can't. Nothing that is caused can account for its own existence. It's just a law. You observe it. It's observable. And yet, some would say that the universe caused itself. So we have to be careful here. The Big Bang was no ordinary explosion. It was orchestrated, controlled, fine-tuned, and caused by an outside force or being. Science in this day and age will tell you that they deal with truth, whereas religion deals with fairy tales. Right? But is that accurate? 
Does science only deal with truth or do they have to deal with faith as well? Are there some things that they have to accept by faith because they haven't proven yet? Yes. Hey, do you know that by faith the naturalist believes that the universe caused itself, though he cannot account for a sufficient cause? Hey, do you know by faith the naturalist believes that life generated itself randomly by chance in a warm pond long ago, even though the process cannot be reproduced today and the chances of it happening are statistically impossible? Hey, do you know by faith the naturalist believes that he arrived here for no reason, lives with no purpose, and has nothing waiting for him in the next life? Can't prove it, but believes it. Do you know by faith the naturalist believes he will never have to account for his moral choices in this life? That's quite a leap of faith. Our faith is better than their faith. That's the bottom line. They have faith too. They have faith too. But our faith is better. Romans 1, 19-20 sheds a little light on this too. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How? In the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You know the Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God. Do you know that there's something about the natural that testifies to the eternal? Do you know that God placed in every human heart the longing for eternal, but the Bible says we can't grasp it? It's an awareness that there's something more, something bigger, a consciousness that something else is out there before the Big Bang. Above and beyond everything I see, I know it. And frankly, if you, if you go to see the redwood trees, the redwood forest, if you go to see the Rocky Mountains, if you watch a glorious sunrise, if you, if you hold a newborn baby in your arms, and, and if at that moment you say to yourself, all of this is from nothing, all of this is for nothing, and it's all amounting to absolutely nothing, from somewhere deep within you, you will hear an objection saying, you're wrong. Because God wired the whole universe to testify of his existence. Therefore, it says in Romans that men suppress the truth. We dunk it under lies. Psalm 33, 6 and 8 to 9 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth all their host. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The response of creature to creator is one of awe and wonder and worship. That's what God asks of us. And so I ask you by faith, you believe that God is telling the truth about the past? Do you really believe it by faith? Do you believe God's telling the truth about present unseen realities and about the future? Okay, you might say yes, yes, yes. And think we're done with faith. Good, check. Future, I'm on it. Present, I believe it. Past, I'm with it. Well, what else is there to talk about? Moving on. Point two. Second question. Do you believe God is telling the truth? Second, am I acting like God is telling the truth? Now, 
Now we're going to talk about faith in another light. Now we're going to talk about the daily dynamic of faith. Call it walking by faith. Jot this down. Walking by faith means I must put feet to my faith moment by moment. I must put feet, feet to my faith moment by moment. It says in verse, well, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I got that, I got that. Verse 2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. That's interesting. You see, it wasn't in the Old Testament, it wasn't their intelligence, it wasn't, wasn't their wealth, it wasn't their political influence. What was it? They didn't have the brains to figure out what God wanted them to do. They didn't, they didn't have the answers. It was their faith. By it, the people of old received their commendation. And then in verse 6 it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. Okay, so now there's the like, the faith. Like, oh yeah, I've got the faith. And that He rewards those who seek Him. Now I'm seeking Him. Now I'm walking by faith. And I'm expecting God to do the unbelievable in my life. By faith. Am I acting like God is telling the truth? Verse 2, it says, they received their commendation by this. It means, the New American Standard translates it, gained approval. That fits the context. This is what pleased God. They were received by God. Do you know that Old Testament saints were saved by faith, just like you and me? Do you know that? Abraham looked up, believed God, and it was what? It was credited to him as righteousness. He was saved by faith, not by works, not by the law, not by circumcision, not by any of that. Temple practice, no. That showed their faith. They were saved by faith. They were received by God, but then they were also used by God and rewarded by God because they walked by faith. Faith makes this possible. Lack of faith makes this impossible. Hey, let me ask you this. You agree what God says about the future is true and the present and the past, but do you believe that what God has said could change your life? And I don't mean salvation. I mean the things that are going on in your life that would require miracle. I mean the things that have gone on in your past that would require supernatural work for you to get past it. I mean the things that are keeping you up at night. I mean the things that you don't know what to do with. You see, it's those things that are calling us out by faith. And I remember as a new Christian, I was just a freshman in college, and I thought I had all the answers, obviously. Reading my Bible. At first, it was great, because as I was reading my Bible, I found out that I got a whole lot of ammunition to tell people what was going wrong in their life. Right? It was great. I got into an argument with my sister, and I could be like, oh yeah, well the Bible says that. And I would use it to attack other people. And then I started reading about all the miraculous things that were going on, and I was like, wow, that's amazing, I believe it. But today, I mean, is that stuff going to happen today? Like, would God do anything like that ever in my life? I don't know. I was being challenged to walk by faith. And I think, sadly, God's people can have their faith locked down. Oh, yeah, I'm convinced about what God has revealed to me, past, present, and future. Got that all down. And yet we're reluctant to storm into his presence, as it says earlier in the book of Hebrews, to find help in our time of need. 
we, we don't go boldly into his throne room and say, this mountain needs to move. Uh, we don't go boldly into his presence and say, this giant needs to die. Uh, we don't go boldly into his throne room and say, I, this problem, I, I can't fix it. Uh, this burden, I can't bear it. Um, this bill, I can't afford it. I, where is the weekly faith of God's people going into his presence and laying out the impossibilities of the week, the inadequacies that we face, and saying, Lord, do something. Do something spectacular. Hey, that's faith. Are you acting like God's telling the truth? Or are you passively accepting life as it comes at you, not expecting God to do anything about it? Oh, well, if he allowed it into my life, it must be for a reason. He knows better than me. Why would I, why would I expect him to change it? Uh, hey, do you have a passive view of faith? Or do you understand that while God allows painful things and challenging things and impossible things into your life, He longs in that moment to see you step out by faith? Do you know that He longs to see that in you? Do you know that He's not going to do that for you, but He's expecting and inviting you into His presence so that you can cry out for help in your time of need and find it? Do you know the Bible says in the book of James, you have not because you what? Didn't even ask. Wouldn't that be an interesting cupboard to go into into heaven? Hey, this is the room filled with everything I would have done for you had you only asked. Do you know that the Bible says, Jesus says, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Do you know the Bible teaches that there is a one-to-one correspondence between the faith God finds in you and the future God gives to you? Do you know that? Do you know that's true of our church? Do you know that's true of your family? Do you know that's true of your finances? Do you know Jesus from time to time would just ask his disciples, where is your faith? Where is it? He's demanding it of us. And yet we sit by so passively feeling powerless, maybe because we want to feel like victims, Maybe because we don't want our hearts broken if God says no, which he will sometimes. Maybe because, I don't know, we just don't trust him. Yesterday, my wife was at the um, women's ministry event in the morning, so I found out there was a parade in Palos Park. So I got the kids out of bed. We went to the parade. And kids love parades. You want to know why kids love parades? Why do you think they love parades? Candy. Aha. This is like the pre-Halloween stock up. So there they are, all three of them with their bags. I'm just sitting on a chair drinking my coffee, and they're out there going mad. And the whole parade comes by, and their bags are full. See, but that's not enough, because then when the parade's over, they've got to go out on the street, and then they've got to pick up the candy that was left behind. They couldn't get it before because the fire truck was coming. But now, and th- there's like mul- multiple kids out there, and they're like fighting over this stuff. So my kids are out there, and they're, you know, it's, it, it's like tribal. They're like pushing each other and grabbing the candy. No, it's my Tootsie Roll. No, it's mine. But there was this one sweet piece of candy. It may have been like a double Twizzler or something. And everybody saw it at the same time. And Jared ran over. And like he grabbed it. And then just as my older daughter Ellie was going for it. And she's like, hey, that was mine. And Jared turned around and came up with a zinger. I mean, he now has a catch-all comeback. Anytime his sisters are upset about anything he's doing, he grabbed the candy. She said, hey, that's mine. And he turned around and he goes, life is life. <laughs> 
And I mean, he said it with swagger. And I'm like, where did that come from? And he's like, I don't know, my head. And I was like, well, that would have come in real handy when I was a kid, fighting with my sister over things. He did, life is life. See, but here's the thing. I think, I think embedded in our hearts, some of us live that way. Oh, oh, didn't get the job. Oh, the relationship fell apart. Oh, and what do we say? Well, life is life. I mean, what can I do? Which is really like saying, what, what would God do? What can God do? It's a lack of faith. And the Bible here is calling us to walk by faith, to act like God is telling the truth. This, this shade of faith is different than saving faith. This is more of a daily dynamic, more of a daily form of faith. We can't confuse the two. You see, saving faith is a moment that changes eternity. But the walk of faith is a thousand moments and it changes daily. So there's a difference. And this daily walk of faith is powerful. But it's interesting how it's described. In Romans 14.1 it says faith can be, it can be weak. Have you felt like that before? Like, oh boy, there were periods where I was like, you know, asking mountains to be moved, but then I just got so discouraged and so beat down and so, my faith was weak. There were times in the scripture where the disciples cried out, increase our faith, Lord. Do you know faith can grow? 2 Corinthians 10, 15, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, it can grow. Do you know that your faith will be tested by God? Do you know God will do that? He did in the Old Testament, King Hezekiah, right? Running a great race, was doing amazing. It says, it says that God then stepped back to see what was in his heart and to test him. And what happened? His people came from Babylon, check out the kingdom, and Hezekiah showed him everything. He was flaunting his own glory. He failed the test. And all those dignitaries from Babylon went home and said, hey, we got the next kingdom we're going to conquer on our list. He got in trouble for it. But, but it says God left him to himself to see what was in his heart and to test him. You know God will do that with you? He will test your faith. Do you know that he will also strengthen it if in the midst of a trial you cry out to him? Do you know that your faith can be renounced, destroyed, abandoned, or shipwrecked? This can ruin a believer's testimony and invite God's discipline, or it can even reveal that the person was never a believer at all. I think the best picture of faith found in the Bible is that of Peter. And we went through the life of Peter when we were a young church. It's a great study. And um, Peter's faith began when he was at a men's retreat. It's like the best men's retreat ever. They all went out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness. They were like eating locusts and honey, right? Dressing all up in fur. John the Baptist was preaching repentance and Peter was just out there and he met Jesus. And Jesus, the first time he met him, said, hey, you're Simon, but you're going to be called Peter, which is rock. And then he was like, see you later. And they parted ways and Peter's like, what does it mean? And then it was a little later as Jesus was going through and doing ministry work that Peter just so happened to be out on a boat and Jesus needed a boat to teach the people. And all Jesus needed to teach Peter faith was a boat. And, and, and here Jesus used Peter's boat to teach and then he said, hey, put out into deep water and let's go fishing. And they said, oh no, we were up all night. We didn't catch anything. Just, just do it. 
And out they went. Remember what happened? Remember what happened? Miraculous catch. They caught so many fish, the boat started to sink. Peter, fearing for his life, turns, and what does he say? He says, go away from me, Lord. He knew who Jesus was. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And that crisis of faith was Peter's salvation, for he understood that he stood sinful before a holy God. And it was at that moment when Peter realized he was nothing and needed everything from Christ that, what did Jesus say? Leave your nets and follow me. Now you're ready. Good. And then the next crisis of faith came when they were out on the boat. They were crossing the sea and the storm came up and, and they thought they were going to drown. We're going to drown. It's awful. We're going to... You ever been at sea when a storm hit? I once got caught in a pontoon boat at sea when the storm hit. It was crazy. I ran into a tree. I was so panicked. I really did. It's a story for another time. But they're in this like ancient ship with a sail in the middle of the sea and they're freaking out. And then Jesus is sleeping. Okay, so now Jesus was in the boat. He was awake. Now he's in the boat, but he's asleep. Wake up! Wake up! Don't you know we're going to die? Jesus goes, where's your faith? After he stops the storm, be still. Then he turns and says, where is your faith? Okay, but it didn't stop there because then there was this other time, it, dark, it was dark out, and uh, he sent them across the sea after a long, hard day's work, and he stayed behind. So now Jesus isn't even in the boat. Okay, And out they go to sea, and then what, what does he do? So then Jesus starts to walk out on the water, right? And he gets close to the boat on purpose. Do you like scaring people? I really like scaring people. The best way to scare people is at night, they're in a boat, and you walk right alongside the boat. You don't even have to say anything. You just need to walk right by. And it says in the Bible, it says that the disciples screamed. <laughs> ah! Would you scream? I would scream. They thought it was a ghost. It's a ghost! Jesus said, take heart, it is I. So now Jesus isn't even in the boat anymore. And then what did Peter say? Do you remember? If it's you, he comes up with this test. If it's you, Call me out onto the water with you. He didn't really put a lot of thought into that one. <laughs> Jesus is like, okay, come on out. Well, then, what does he do? He's got to get out of the boat. So now, now there's not even a boat left. Jesus was in the boat awake. Then he was in the boat asleep. Then he's not even in the boat. Now I'm not even in the boat. No boat. I'm not sinking. I'm not sinking. I'm on. Oh, this is amazing. I'm on the water. And then what happens? Oh, that's a big wave. Oh, and it's windy too. Oh, no. Plonk. Splash. And then what does he do? He cries out to Jesus, save me. And what does he do? Jesus, right there. And then what did he ask him? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Hey, is there a more descriptive story of your step-by-step walk of faith than that? Where literally one step I'm walking by faith on the firm ground and the next step I'm sinking into the... And Christ has to grab me and asks me... That's how we go with Christ. That's called the walk of faith. 
And it's time for you. I mean, you've got to give yourself a faith check right now. Because the Lord is calling us to run the race with perseverance. The author of Hebrews is very focused more on this walk of faith than he is on the initial agreement of faith. Based on the initial agreement, past, present, and future of my faith, I should now put one foot in front of the other and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for me. Isaiah 7, 9 puts it well. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Hey, Peter knew that firsthand. So here's a faith check for you. What is it in your life? What is it that's prompting you to step out by faith? It's not hard to find. It's not hard to find the things that you are not exercising faith toward. What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that you think of first thing in the morning? What is it that wakes you up in the middle of the night? What are the fears that are What are the fears that are causing you to create hypothetical futures that probably will never even occur? Hey, what are the problems that you just aren't smart enough to solve? What are the boulders you just aren't strong enough to lift? Who is the person you just can't save? These are crises of faith. And it can be something in the past that we just can't get by. Haven't recovered from it. It could be something right now. It could be something coming. But, But if we operate in fear, or if we let anxiety take over, or if we try to fix it with a sinful solution, that's not faith. But if we burst into the throne room of a loving God and say, God, I don't have the intelligence, I don't have the money, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the patience, I don't have the strength, but I'm here with faith. And I'm taking a step of faith right now. And I'm going to pray something that's a whole lot bigger than bless this food to my body. I mean, I'm praying that this mountain gets hurled into that ocean and I'm praying praying things that would be impossible. Hey, where are those prayers? I know who you are. I know what you've promised. I know what you've done. Now do it again. Part the heavens and come down. Where are those prayers in your life? God's inviting you to walk by faith and not by sight. Only then will you see the impossible done in your life. But you've got to take the step. Time and again, we see God's people in the Old Testament stepping out by faith. They believe, they obey, God makes them wait. Then he does the impossible. Hey, let's pray. Whatever it is that you need to convert over to a walk of faith, I want you to do that right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you have saved us by your grace through faith. What a gift you've given us. But Lord, you call us not just to confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, but you call us moment by moment to get out of the boat, to follow you and trust you alone. So Father, whatever it is that we need to turn over to you, whatever problem it is that we've been trying to fix on our own, whatever fear or doubt, 
anything that's broken, anything that's weighing us down. Help us, Lord, by faith to bring it into your presence and to ask for the impossible. We trust that by faith you will be pleased. You will reward those who seek you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.